Hello and welcome to today's episode of Stories from the Pack, brought to you by Wolves Fancast. Richard Hobbs here, and joining me today, I am joined by uh, Tom Roberts. Tom, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you doing? Yeah, uh, good. I mean, um, things are starting to lift uh, uh, restriction-wise, and it's in spite of it pouring down with rain the last couple of days, it's starting to get sunny again, so I'm borderline optimistic at the moment, which, despite the... It's an interesting contrast to how Wolves are doing at the moment and how I feel yeah, about yeah, yeah. Wolves. But um, I get we'll, we'll kind of touch on uh, Wolves' uh, current plight at the uh, um, towards the end of the show. But for us, stories from the pack. Uh, if you've not listened before, um, essentially we like to interview Wolves fans um, on their time supporting the club, where it's taken them, um, interesting facets that have come out from that, what it means to be a Wolves fan. And essentially the journey that um, supporting a club like Wolves can take you. Um, when I was chatting to Tom before uh, before, the, before the recording, I mentioned to him he's had a far more interesting life than I have. Um, and hopefully we'll kind of delve a little bit uh, a little bit deeper onto this. I'm sure Tom will sort of um, disagree with that. But um, <laughs> we'll, we'll go right back to, the, um, back to the start in terms of supporting Wolves. When was it for you? Was it very much a from birth um, situation for yourself or uh, and passed down the line? Or was it a bit more location-wise? How did you sort of very much come to supporting Wolves? I think um, I think like most people, it's certainly a um, it's a hereditary thing. Certainly something that we sort of gained from previous generations. Although my granddad was actually a, a Villa fan. Um, so him and my dad grew up in Cannock, which I know is sort of a... Um, it's sort of a, it's a very heavy wall centric area. Uh, so my dad grew up in Canuck originally, and then used to get the bus to in the eighties, sort of early seventies, to go and watch the walls. Sort of the era of uh, Frank Monroe, you know, the Duke, and Kenny Hibbert, and all that. So it's kind of just passed down to us. Um, when I was younger, we sort of went more sporadically, and then uh, and we just went as, as as often as we could. And I think uh, one of my early memories is I think we we played against. I'm not sure who it was now, probably Notts Forest. Probably should have done my research before this. But I know that we, we won 3-1 and I was sort of about five or six. And it's kind of a running theme with my family that I used to call Bully Billy. Uh, so it was actually my 30th last year and my brother included that as one of the uh, the quiz questions. So you mentioned your first game you think was against Notts Forest. So that brings up an interesting theme for me when I've done these. So I've done, I think this is the ninth one or so, and I'm going off my own history as well. It's always... I, apart from a few fans in the early 90s who went to games against Italian clubs for the Anglo-Italian Club Cup, it always seems to be very provincial teams. And not if I hits that chord perfectly. I think mine was Tranmere. I've had mm. other people who were Stockport, Preston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, ne- you yeah. never get a top... You never, I've, don't think I've asked any Wolves fan. They go, yeah, my first uh, my first game was against uh, Spurs. Just doesn't <laughs> yeah. happen. yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, you so, probably have a crop coming, a crop coming through. Sort of who in their early teens. I imagine their their bad their bad years were when Wolves finished twelfth in two thousand twenty-one. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the, ter- the terrible times for them. But uh, go, going back for yourself, so you sort of went to games sort of sporadically. Um, so mm. I, I think a lot of people seem to have done that. If it wasn't sort of uh, almost a complete, you know, live and die passion by a family, it was almost just came along organically i guess um did you sort of move on to then getting a season ticket at a relatively young age or how, how long do you sort of continue kind of just i guess going regularly but not all the time 
Yeah, yeah. So I think it was sort of around 2001. I had to check this with my dad uh, in the last few days because I um I was always adamant that it was the 2003 the playoff final that was sort of the catalyst for us. But he's absolutely mm-hmm. adamant that no, no, no. We were before that, before that match. Okay. And so I think it was around 2001 that myself, my brother, and my dad got a season ticket. Uh, and obviously, in those days, it was three o'clock Saturday afternoon. Um, and it was, it was always, I always remember being fairly slightly frantic because I'd have football training in the morning uh, and then be rushing around, getting ready, get showered. And then we'd pick my brother up who'd be doing a, a shift at WH Smith and he'd be getting <laughs> in the car on the way. Um, and it'd be this sort of mad, frantic rush to get there. And then we'd just sit there for two hours watching Olafiniana who keep you up in the warm up. So it was always there. Uh, again, uh, you struck upon something which. I always find fascinating, as I mentioned earlier, I think you're sort of only a couple of years older than me, um, getting to games early. Now, I was on, I needed to get there at least an hour before kickoff. Were you Were you of a similar vein? Because uh, was yeah, like, yeah, absolutely, did, yeah. did you grow up sort of, sta- uh, do you say Canuck? Well, so um, we grew up in Stafford. We grew up in Stafford. Right. Me, my brother, my family, and obviously my, my folks and my sister, we grew up in Stafford. So it's very much split between um, sort of 50% Wolves, 50% Stoke, but in that neck of the woods. Uh, yeah, which was always fun when you're losing 4 2 and Ricardo Polish has scored the ball. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we, we would always, I think one o'clock was our sort of our tee off time in terms of having to leave Stafford because it was a good half hour drive, get through Penkridge, maybe stop with some chips on the way and fish and chips. And then, uh, yeah, pull up three, three pounds program, read it front to back, and then just sit and wait while everyone filtered in. Those are the days. I was going to say, it's, uh, it, I find it interesting sort of how, um, I, I guess, match day routines change over time. But um, I guess sort of before we develop on further, um, uh, you know, we I think for a lot of the time, our values in the club are sort of forged at a young age as well. And that can sort of be through quite a few different things, whether it's, um, you know, seeing things on the pitch, but also off the pitch or like little tidbits that just sort of set in your mind what, a football club can be in a way. Um, yeah, so yeah, like definitely. One of, uh, one, one of my, it, it, I was going to say, I, I'm very much leading this, but um, one of the early ones for me is I went to, um, uh, it was like they did a Wolves Christmas party for the young supporters. And I remember seeing some of the players there and they're like dressed up as like Santa or whatever. And we're going, even at the time going like, this isn't their day job. But they're doing <laughs> this. I think that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, yeah. And it kind of, when sort of we're, um, communicating about this, it sort of really sort of pulled into focus um, about, I guess, what a football club can mean to you and what what they can actually, you know, give to a community and their social values. Yeah, no, I agree. We had um, obviously walls in the community was a big thing as well because our school mm. used to do um, a lot of the soccer Saturday. Uh, events and during the summers and things. I remember quite early on, I, um, I won a penalty shootout, not something I'm particularly renowned for in my uh, footballing career, but uh, I won a penalty shootout and got signed football. I did, don't ask me where it is now or even who, I don't even know what year it was, so who knows who signed it, probably Glenn Hoddle. Um, but uh, yeah, in terms of that sense of community, it's massive. They always, I think they always have done, haven't they? Even as far reaches as Stafford. Yeah, I was going to say stre- stretching the ball into the uh, ST postcodes. Um, <laughs> as I say, a- another interesting one was um, y- you'd mentioned to me previously about meeting um, uh, some of the players when you were a lot younger as well. 
Yeah, yeah. So actually, when I was um, about eight years old, and this kind of it's kind of a long story, but this kind of feeds into one of the reasons I really wanted to come on the podcast. Um, so when I was eight years old, so it's probably about 1997, I had um, open heart surgery uh, at Birmingham Children's Hospital. And, uh, and one of the things, obviously, it was quite a, a serious operation. So it's a particularly trying time for the family. But um, but Wolves reached out and arranged a day for me and my entire family to go and visit Molyneux. So we had a, a tour, we met some of the players, the likes of uh, Keith Curl, very young, Robbie Keane, uh, Neil Emblem, the, the ever-delicate Kevin Muscat, um, and yeah, just to name a few. So the manager was actually Colin Lee at the time, uh, with, wow. uh, the, but it was actually the, the late, uh, very special lady that's Rachel Hayho Flint actually showed us around as well. So she pretty oh, much wow. adopted us on the day, she was, you know, Full of cuddles and just reassuring uh, the whole family because obviously it's quite it's quite an overwhelming thing to be stood but so close to the pitch and seeing all the players coming coming around us and no it's just such a special day and it kind of goes back to what you were saying in terms of having them having having reaching out to the local community and doing things for the fans um yeah so that was such a special day i was gonna say i i, I think if um i met kevin muscat at a young age i think <laughs> I always think I wouldn't want to ever be sick again. Um, yeah, I think yeah, you yeah. legitimately scare me into being fit. <laughs> I just, I did one thing. What's one of the resounding uh, impacts of that? It was a very serious stare. We're talking an eight-year-old boy who's just uh, had open heart surgery, and I remember one of the staff pretty much having to like pull him over and say, "Can, can you just come over here? Can you just have a photo with this little boy?" And the, the, the almost not contempt, but very much. Uh, this is thirty seconds. I'll never get back. But um, yeah, I think uh, Mike Stowell as well was in goal at the time. And uh, like I say, eight years old, Mike Stowell's an absolute giant. So yeah, I think yeah. he, he put his bare, bare hands on my shoulders to take the photo and very overwhelming. But no, there was uh, quite a few big characters that day. They were brilliant. That, uh, I can imagine, I can imagine. Um, I, I guess sort of moving forward then, um, I guess going into, well, uh, almost sort of teenage years, um, early adult uh, stages. How did your match day uh, routine change? Because I find it interesting that um, a lot of people we've had on who go who go to games regularly are very much, I guess, within a short journey um, to to the ground. I mean, uh, people would say I live far I live far away from the ground, and I've lived in Codsall, so about <laughs> five miles, and yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. seems quite far so i mean and hey don't get me wrong stafford's not exactly a million miles uh down the road but, um, it's far enough you... if you so oh, i'll just yeah. say it's far away enough when your dad occasionally forgets the season ticket and has to panically call uh he'll love me for mentioning this um we have to panic we're panically meeting our uncle who um weirdly later on also got a season ticket and we go to games with them quite a lot but, um, <laughs> to meet them halfway in penkridge uh, around two o'clock and you're, you're sweating a lot um but yeah so by kind of, as, as, as i sort of got older and that's kind of where your memories start to really develop because sort of pre-2001 for me i'm sort of 10 and younger you don't really you remember a lot of emotions a lot of noise but you don't really remember specific moments but um i think it's, as i was sort of getting older you remember specific games you remember being indoctrinated into loving doritos for as long as we were sponsored by them that was sort of a match day tradition but um and as, sort of as soon as we were old enough as well traditions turned into things like go to the goalpost for a few beers before the game or a few a few coats obviously if you're <laughs> of a certain age um but then you know, grabbing a mr sizzle and then as 
almost as the years gone on as well, going to the style. Uh, yeah, yeah. Cheese and onion baps, yeah. Some chips and, and all that. Watching the um, usually watching the early kickoff, the lunchtime Premier League kickoff. But um, yeah, those are the days. No, um, I was going to say we we could. Uh, I'm almost debating whether to do a um, just a whole podcast on pubs to go to before the game, <laughs> and the style comes up more often than not as a proper pre-match drinking pub. Yeah, 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 it's perfect. And uh, well, the um, the kind of you, you, have you been to the style for pre-match? Yeah, and you pretty, yeah. you pretty much see sort of five or six of them queuing up, just waiting. It's perfect because I mean, if you're sort of in between beers. Then uh, you're certainly not sobering up or losing any of the uh, the match day. <laughs> and, and, and it's got that perfect almost walk to the ground as well. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, it, it's 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 hidden, <laughs> unlike let's say the goalpost or whatever it's now called, which is yeah, oh, something. Yeah, um, I drove past the other day. I really should I really should know it, but it almost <laughs> seems to be a bit hidden. But it's just perfect for those you know that hour and a half before the game. Uh, yeah, yeah. a few beers. Um, so we'll do the good, the bad, the ugly, the funny now. So, <laughs> uh, favorite, what's your favorite memories um, of supporting Wolves uh, over the years? You know, you can have one of the big ticket ones, you can have something more personal or anything. Yeah, in yeah. So, I mean, the obvious one, I think, for most certain people of a certain generation, to be honest, every generation is probably Cardiff Millennium Stadium 2003. Yeah. That's gonna. I would imagine that's in everyone's sort of top three. Um, for me, what's a particularly special year was the 2006-2007 season um, okay. with Mick McCarthy, simply because that seemed to be the year that we seemed to play the Albion about seven, eight times. It seemed to be every yeah. third or fourth week we were playing, <laughs> and they would usually score at least three against us as well. So it's the sort of the era of Diamante, Kamara, Kumas, Kevin Phillips, who um, who's been to Molyneux and done quite well for himself more than once or twice. Um, but I think my favourite game, one of my favourite moments was the, do you remember the Jay Bothwick goal? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because he, um, simply because of the nature of the game, obviously Black Country Derby, um, there was a lot riding on it because momentum and we were sort of pushing towards that top six. But um, the, so we were in the family enclosure at that time. So we started off with three season tickets and we sat in the Billy Quiet, obviously family enclosure at the front. Uh, I think my, so my parents actually, who have now uh, keep keeping the tickets warm for us, uh, are now in the North Bank. I think they've been there sort of six, seven years. But um, this particular game, it was when Bobbery got the ball, eighty-third minute. I could tell, tell you the degrees of the weather that day. It's ingrained. Um, but when he put it in the bottom corner, he then ran over to the the, um, the family enclosure. And I think it's one of the rare moments I've sort of lost it as a fan and just powered forward, you know, knocking all the toddlers and the kids out of the way and running forward to sort of jump into the players. And there's, um, there, was a, there was a photo in the Express and Star, um, black and white picture. And I remember you could see my face. Wasn't a particularly attractive look, I'll be honest. But it was um, sort of very much elephant man screaming into Bothroyd's face. But um, I ended up cutting that out and sticking it on my homework planner at school. Uh, I'd have to put it long gone in the bin somewhere. But uh, yeah, big moment. There's other games as well that you have, like the Oakwell, Barnsley, one-all. I think that's yeah. secured. It was almost like a pitch invasion every 10 seconds. Um, what else? There was, a, there was a game, Doncaster away. Uh, Neil Collins scored with about that's 10 minutes minute, to go. Yeah. Was, yeah. It was around Christmas as well, so it was a very festive. Uh, mm. I, think. I just remember there being a conga 
there was a, a good 2,000 people strong. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've had a few, haven't we? Well, another one was Derby. I think we won 3-2 away. And I just remember um, Marlon Harewood, a player yeah. who we featured two or three times for us. But him and Andy Keogh just played an absolutely blinder. But uh, yeah, you have moments that you just sort of stick with you a bit more, don't you? No, I think it's interesting that a, a lot of the moments you've picked are, are, are moments, so to speak, and yeah, almost, yeah, yeah. you know, it, it, it's very, you know, don't get me wrong, playoff final, um, playing in Europa League and even, you know, um, some of the cup games we've we've had recently, um, usually sticking to people's minds. But all of those ones I, f- I find really interesting because they're all, well, I was going to say the, the the Derby one in particular because that was almost the moment that was not it wasn't the moment we secured promotion to the Premier League and McCarthy, but it was the game before or it all yeah, yeah. it's sealed it, and I think we just needed to beat QPR from memory. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even you know, it's good, I think. Yeah, and uh, you know, um, say so it's always interesting that it's plays it brings up. And especially that season, you know, we had the Golden Boot winner in Ebanks, Blake. We had Michael Kitely, who I think was he didn't quite win uh, Player of the Year. You know, we had some really fantastic players. But the first player, yeah, but the first player who springs to your mind in that is Marlon Harewood, and it's yeah, the same yeah, for yeah. so many people. <laughs> because it doesn't quite feel right in a way. No, but, no, no. And, and and last minute winners are uh, it's an absolute, I think, a staple. Because in theory, like in theory, by its very definition, like a a winner, a game that has a last minute winner, isn't probably that great if it's a one nil game. Because what sort of happened for the rest of the ninety? If it's like a you know a four three three two, then yeah. But that was a one nil game where the centre back scored the only goal of the game. <laughs> I think Quite late as well, so eighty yeah, minutes as well. It, 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 very late goal, so you couldn't tell you anything else about what happened in that game. No, no it was freezing. But, I remember it being yeah. really cold. But I can tell you, it was a fantastic header. I can, I can picture yeah, yeah. the goal, um, which which I find sort of really endearing for it. Yeah. And, Neil Collins, you know, like, spot player. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and those were moments, I think, you know, obviously the ones which stick to you. Um, I was going to say, sort of going from, I guess, sort of fond memories We'll go to sort of, I guess, some of the low points first, and then we'll go on to sort of any sort of extra ones that stand out for yourselves. Have you got any ones which really kind of, I wouldn't say question, uh, question your supportership, but have really kind of just knocked you for six? Again, I'm going to be really boring with this one. I think the only time, because for me, like football's football, like you can have the high moments, and I think as you get older, you start to appreciate the high moments are incredible, and you treasure, you just try and manage the low moments, so mm-hmm. to speak. Uh, as you get older, you start to have a word with yourself. So I think it's the priorities. Come on, you can't, you can't, you can't ruin your weekend because Wolves got stomped on a Friday night. Um, <laughs> you haven't seen my Twitter feed. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the the most obvious one, and I think it's because of the sort of ramifications was it from it was um, was probably if you remember Brighton after the double relegation. Yeah. Just because it it just felt like it was very splintered. Like we like as Wolves fans, we've seen it all. We've seen. We've been hammered, whether it's Southampton battering us 6-0. Uh, even this season, we've, we've been turned over a few times, 4-0, West Ham and, and, and the rest, Burnley, two or three weeks ago. Uh, and it's, it kind of, it's part and parcel of being a Wolves fan. But I think 
that day was it just felt very different we just it, the club just felt very fractured um i mean the perfect symbolism was the fan when the fans were running on the pitch and one of the fans put his foot through one of the advertising boards and just kicked it um, i mean i was like that's a perfect metaphor for sort of how where the club is at the moment um and i think was it the bomb squad uh there were some of them so roger johnson obviously got a bit of a poor rap as the season went on the likes of jamie o'hara whatever went before just by that point of the season it all just felt very tainted um even players who were just on a, a big salary from the premier league years um all just kind of got lumped together and it was just a very sour taste i think around around the place at that time so it was um yeah i think it, rather than it being a particular game or result although that wasn't a great result because i think we kind of pinned a lot of hopes on that we spent a few weeks leading up to it thinking well all we need to do is win but then if you spend two years doing going back to back relegations and suddenly expect to win a game it's just not really how it works is it so um yeah i think that's probably a particular point yeah um i mean that it does sort of put into perspective the level of toxicity around the club because, say, there was a pitch invasion at Brighton away when we got relegated. There was one a couple of weeks before at Molyneux when we lost to Burnley as well, and mm. that that felt nasty. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's it's not exactly edifying to, to have pitch invasions when your team's just a bit poor. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, it, it is almost symbolised in you know those those players who were on, you know, high wages and weren't delivering, and that always feels like a really big sticking point for particularly Wolves fans. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, uh, you know, in terms of, I guess, earning your earning your wage and just trying hard. Mm. Like you know, I, I've always said like you know people sort of talk about you know let's say like the West Ham way or Newcastle way and you know oh it needs to be a certain type of player and it's usually a bit of BS but I think for Wolves <laughs> in terms of like an identity we just want players who try and yeah, you know yeah, show yeah. that they want it um, a lot yeah, of the yeah. time and just don't go hiding well you consider players that um in the past who there's a player who even on the on the podcast I love it because his name constantly comes up um, I think it's Little Dan who mentions him, but um, it's Dave Edwards, and he's yeah. not—he's never—he's never going to sign for Real Madrid or Barcelona, you know, with respect. But that kind of player, it just typifies the, the the qualities that Wolves love in a player, just a grafter. I mean, if you're in the right places and you're you're putting yourself about and you're doing your to, to use what we'll Mick McCarthy say, putting in a shift, um, then you're going to win the hearts of the Wolves fans. They're going to love you. They're going to sing songs about you. Even the song about Jodie Craddock, if ever a song summed up um, a sort of <laughs> a, a hero in the stands, it used to be all right, or it used to be something else. Um, but that, that they're the kind of players, like you say, that that kind of win a place in the Wolves fans' hearts. Yeah, I think um, you know that, that always stands out for me um, as yeah, as something I think I'd be interested to know. Sort of, if other clubs have sort of a similar philosophy, but I know for for a lot of fans, unless you are a a, a real talent. Yeah, and you can get away with it, but mm. I don't think Wolves have really ever played at a level where you can't get away with it, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to say, so speaking of players then, um, <laughs> well, who are your favourites? You know, as I say, you can have them from literally at any point over the last sort of 20-odd years or so. Yeah, I'll probably, uh, I'll choose, I'll reel off a few who I've had a bit yeah. of a soft spot for. Um, so I think early doors, Keith Curl. Uh, yes. I fancy myself as a bit of a... a, a 
a diehard centre-back, Terry Butcher. I mean, if I got a cut, I'd be crying for days. But, I mean, I fancy <laughs> myself as a, a sort of a, a good, a decent centre-back and then moved out to the right-back. But that sort of defensive mentality meant that Keith Curl, very early days, was one of the, the first names that I'd be looking for on the team sheet. Um, and, and again, that kind of carried on to J.D. Craddock, even into my teenage years, loving, heartbroken when he went on loan to Stoke, but then came back. It's like I say, Stafford, sort of half Wolves, half Stoke. Uh, so when he came back to Wolves, delighted, you know, save him from, from that lot. Um, but then moving on, a big fan, I used to love, um, I was a big fan of Andy Keogh. When they first arrived, uh, obviously we got him from Scunthorpe after he'd been brilliant with Billy Sharp. Um, it was his nickname, the Assist King. I think you talk about these kind of players as well who just really hard worker, really talented player, very selfless as well. So he often got a lot of stick because the goals, I mean, his goal tallies each year weren't incredible. But um, I was always a big fan whenever, whether he was playing with Stephen Ward in the early days when he first arrived um, from Bohemians and then helping out and starting to play alongside uh, Silver Evans Blake. But um, yeah, I think in recent years, since the sort of Nuno revolution, I think probably I'm big, I was, I sort of was leaning, it's hard to pick a player from this year, if I'm honest. It's not going to be, you know, um, William Jose. But um, <laughs> I was I, absolutely massive fan of Nevers. So particularly in his first year, uh, where it, was, it, it just felt like it, the shackles were off slightly, he was slightly more further advanced, and he, he seemed to enjoy the play a bit more. I think I heard in one of the podcasts recently, they were talking about how he's just doing a, a lot more of the, the, the leg work. So he's doing a lot more um, plugging gaps and very defensive positions, sort of whoever he's playing alongside. So I think his game has had to adapt this year and last year. But um, I just think I, I was for, for the first year or two when we had Nevis, I had him odds on to be a Galactico in the sort of in a similar vein where Jota's gone on to Liverpool, etc., and you know, be playing Champions League or has been. Um, I kind of I had Nevis pegged in a similar fashion. I mean, it's not too late, but um, yeah, I think he's certainly adapted, adapted his game slightly so it's a bit more defensive, but um. No, so I think they're probably the uh, the names that stand out. Jody Craddock was a big one. I think he's probably the only player I think I've had a, as a name, a player's name on the back of my shirt. Okay. Sort of early times in those days. But uh, yeah, no, there, there, there's some there, there's some good names in there. I think uh, de- definitely I, I like the uh, Ricky Curl and uh, and Jody Craddock oh, shouts. And I think that Nevis is an interesting one because I think for a lot of people he was so so good in the championship. Yeah. Um, and I think he's someone who has almost exemplified that that step up between Championship and Premier League as a midfielder. But you see it a lot in strikers. That you know, you can Ebanks Blake, for example, you know, scored for fun for two seasons in the Championship and then plays in the Premier League and really struggles. Mm. Um, but never is it's obviously a, a different kind of player to Ebanks Blake. Um, and he was just a Rolls Royce in that division. He he, he would be able yeah, to get the time and space just to just to pass you know pass his way through a game and just rake mm. fifty yards at fifty yards, well. and it just not yeah it's, it just didn't even seem to trouble him. Well, he'd be walking off at the end of the game, barely break a he barely broke a sweat. Yeah, and it's like how, how's he managing to do this? You know, um, but mm. then he just he either wasn't getting afforded for space. And the privilege of um, of time on board when he was in the Premier League, and the defenders were a bit better as well in terms of 
plugging in those little gaps where that level below wouldn't. And, you know, I've, I guess it's interesting that when he was at Porto, he was very much described as a defensive midfielder, deep lying mm. playmaker. And you look at his stats this season and, you know, he's one of a few players, you know, I think he like leads in terms of tackles and interceptions across mm. the league or something silly. Like his, his defensive work rate it is really strong. But I think because we've seen he has this side to his game that is... Um, I, I guess a lot more visually appealing as well. And his tackles aren't exactly blockbuster. He's not like, um, you know, it's not like a Paul Hinton tackle yeah, where yeah. he's going to cling through everything and re-stamp his authority a lot of the time. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, 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 I'm glad he hasn't moved. Don't get me wrong, because I'm sure you are too. But um, it's interesting that his career, to a degree, in that point, has stalled. Because yeah, stagnated I guess, slightly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he, he's been one of our better players, by and large, this season, which isn't oh. saying much, don't get me wrong. But, um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to sort of see if he can push on next season. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think, you know, most Wolves fans are very realistic in terms of, what his career trajectory is and probably what, you know, Jorge Mendes has sold him in terms of his career path, like he's done with Jota and, you know, fair fair play for Jota to, you know, taking that big next step and doing, doing very well with it. Um, um, My next sort of point, we sort of kind of move on. We've talked about players a bit. We've talked about, um, I guess, the memory. So what one thing that sticks out to me is a lot of time is a lot of the, people we've had on stories from the pack so far have almost been, I, I guess, sort of very switched on Wolves fans their entire life and been very much on going to games every week and, uh, say, living in and around the area. But that's not always been the case for you, has it? Uh, no, to be fair, so I had a season ticket until I was sort of 18. So we had the three in the South Bank and then it went down to two. So my dad's kind of has now been going for a while with my mom, but we for a while it was rotated sort of between me, my brother, sort of anyone who was around. Um, so when I was eighteen, I went to uni in Lancaster, so up in the northwest, uh, in the, the sticks near the Lake District. Um, so I was didn't really manage to get to a huge amount of home games, but just as luck would have it, I went to uni with a lot of um, Bolton fans, Burnley fans, Man City fans, United fans, etc. Blackpool as well at that time was sort of up there. Uh, Blackburn as well. So it's all the, um, the, the almost the B teams <laughs> from around the Greater <laughs> Manchester area. Um, so I was still able to go to a fair, a fair, a fair amount. So I think in my first year at uni, I sort of went to sort of 15 or so away games in, in just in that local area. But um so yeah, it's, it's it's interesting, like you say, because it doesn't necessarily matter where you end up. You almost find similar like-minded people, and Wolves fans are like we're like cockroaches, aren't we? we? We always pop up. It doesn't matter where you go in the world; you always meet another Wolves fan. Um, so yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I know I, I went off to university. I went to Aberystwyth and end up living with someone uh, who grew up a mile down the road from me. It was a big no Wolves fan. And then, I mean, Aberystwyth is just an exile for West Midlands anyway. Um, so there's sort of quite a few uh, Wolves fans knocking about, to be uh, to be fair anyway. I've got a few um, school trips to the Dunes, the Sand Dunes yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, not really doing a lot, if I'm honest. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, I, I don't feel sorry for you having to sort of <laughs> do the school trip there. Um, so to, I was going to say, so talk to me about Hong Kong. Um, because, again, that we... Uh, 
we were what 120 miles or whatever away when we both went yeah, up to right. university support of the team. Yeah, Bit yeah. different supporting a team overseas, I guess. Yeah, massively. So when I first went over there, I kind of um, there's obviously a huge expat community, and there's certain certain areas in Hong Kong uh, where expats sort of gravitate towards, and there's a lot of um, folks with the name sort of you know Churchills, Misties. Um, Queen Victoria, the, the, you know, the standard sort of British pub names that you'd expect to find in China. Um, so we actually had, uh, I, I sort of did a bit of research on Facebook to see if there were any sort of Wolves fans there, community groups, and um, just even just footballing groups, to be honest, just to see if anyone was around, go for a few beers. And, um, and I found that there was a Hong Kong Wolves supporters group. Um, sent a message to the uh, the chairman, as he's called. I'm still in the WhatsApp group, it's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> I called, I called Jason. And uh, and he he replied was like yeah come down just come watch a few games see see how it goes um, and the first game I actually went to watch at, <laughs> I went to watch at a bar called Churchill's which is in Wan Chai in Hong Kong I um it was safe to say it was it was a late kickoff I think because it was sort of it's about seven hour time difference and obviously once you hit the Premier League the big leagues fixtures are all over the place in terms of uh, kickoff times um, so I I turned up. Um, having had one or two sherries, because uh, I didn't know, didn't really know what to expect. So I thought I'll just turn up, you know, and, uh, meet one or two people, and we'll just mm. see where it goes. And I went with a, a mate of mine called Nathan, who um, he's actually a City fan. I mean, he kept quiet the whole time. I think he just pretended he was a Wolves fan. And it was the one-all game against uh, United. So I think it was one of one of our early goals. Matinho scored that screamer. Yeah, yeah, uh, one, yeah. Top, yeah, the top ends. And um, <laughs> and it was that was kind of the, that was the, that was what sort of kickstarted it all off. So we'd be meeting uh, every other week, usually for home games. Usually when it was a Friday or Saturday, it was uh, being a teacher it was harder if it was a Sunday evening. Although it got roped into one or two, um, and it was brilliant. We were actually out there for the um, the Hong Kong Sevens, which is when different teams usually send sort of their under 23s team and uh, so we were over there when wolves actually it was the first time they'd entered the team into the hong kong sevens and uh, led by the uh, the mighty rob edwards so it was um it was hilarious it was it was sort of an in, it was a whole weekend uh, we went on the first day they competed in one or two miniature trophies the lads were great it was the likes of um dion sanderson who's ripping it up for sunderland now uh, Ed Francis, I think he was the captain. Yeah. Um, Watt as well, I think. Uh, Niall Ennis as well. And obviously, there was sort of, I mean, there were only four or five of us, but we were, say to say, we were fairly vocal. And we'd adapted the, um, the uh, Nuno Had a Dream song uh, to a version of Rob Edwards Had a Dream. <laughs> the kid from, um, it was about Niall Ennis, I can't remember. Bill, is he from Bilston? It might be Dudley, I'm not sure. Uh, um, but he, he found it hilarious like he because he, he, the one of the players came over and i can't remember which one and was giving us a bit of a bit of a, a, a biopic about niall ennis to, to be like this is where he's from use this in the song i think it might be sanderson maybe um so we were like perfect give us give us more give us ammo um and i'm sure i can find i, I could maybe ping you over some footage of it but um towards the end of the night rob Edwards was just trying to give an interview and we were still there about seven or eight hours later horse couldn't could <laughs> Could gen- honestly didn't have a voice for about three days after that. It's terrible trying to teach. Um, that's, that's incredible. It was brilliant. It was so much fun. It, like, it was just the fact that, like you say, hundreds of miles away from the Midlands, they probably thought, I think he said something about that as well. It doesn't matter where you go in the world, there's always Wolves fans. Um, but yeah, so no, that was, uh, that was a great weekend. Really good fun. 
No, I can imagine. I think it, it, it almost brings it back to, I guess, sort of that, that sort of genuine like community spirit yeah. of it all. But, you know, as a, a, a player coming over to you, I know like the development players, however you look at it, but, you know, coming over saying hello, saying, oh, sing this about my mate. He'll find mm. it funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll laugh. And, you know, you forget that they're sometimes sort of human too. And, you know, it's, it's almost, uh, you know, the sort of thing you get in like semi-pro level sometimes. I, yeah, I, I yeah, can yeah, imagine. Yeah. And, you know, say to, to, you know, basically have a three-day football drinking session with your mates. Oh, it, was, it was a dream. It was, it, yeah. was, it was incredible. And there were all sorts of other, who else was there? There were some obscure teams. Like West Ham had sent, uh, obviously they've got a good youth youth uh, programme, so they sent a decent team, good outfit. Chelsea, I think, had sent a team. There weren't that many. I got, they're the ones that stick out for me because I think Wolves sort of got to the latter stages. They got to the semi-final of one cup, got knocked out, so they, which meant that they were playing in another cup, which wasn't as good, but it meant they were just battering teams. I think... Um, it's quite funny as well because I, I don't know if you've ever been to sort of um, uh, South China area, but when it was sort of, I can't remember when it was, it was about May time, but it was boiling hot. The humidity was sort of 70% or something ridiculous. So they had them, they had to have like a, um, uh, like a knockout, like a, what's it called? Like a sudden death. Um, because it was, I think it was nil nil after 20 minutes or whatever the the, um, the the time was. So you went from having seven players to just four. So it was essentially just watching Wolves players have a kickabout in the park with their mates. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was hilarious. It was great. And like I say, they were good. The lads were great, the Wolves players. They were, they came over, had pictures with us, and were just chatting for ages. And there were um, a couple of the guys who were... Um, from the Hong Kong Wolf Supporters Club, uh, actually, they they had young they young lads with them as well that there that weekend. So they were there was it was quite funny to watch because they were a little bit having their you know getting autographs and getting the uh, the, yeah, the fanboy mode. But um, it was actually it was useful as well because then when I came home at the uh, Christmas uh, on once or twice actually. So the when Liverpool won the league and we lost two 0 to Liverpool. Van Dyke scored the second goal of a free kick, I think, the home game. Um, even I was in Hong Kong at the time, we came home for Christmas and then we, me and my brother, my parents, very luckily allowed us to use the uh, use the season tickets. Um, but because, I don't know if you know, the in, there's an international fans lounge. I think it used to be the yeah. players lounge. And we went in there. So we went in there the first time and Bully was in there. And me and my brother arrived late. Um, we were frantically... We, <laughs> So that's just slightly distracted. We saw Kevin Kilban in the train station. Um, had a quick photo with him and then linked it to the Molyneux. It's bizarre where your mind takes you. Um, and then we had a, because we arrived late, both of us looking like morons in our, you know, wolves, Christmas hats. Because uh, we arrived late, we were stopped by the door. And Bully, in, you know, true Bully fashion, that was the room was captivated by one of his stories. Um, and then he came over and we, as, as he was leaving, because we were stopped by the door, we were like, a quick, quick picture, Bully. Uh, yeah, and he was brilliant. And then the second time we went, we actually saw Robbie Dennison, and uh, my dad was with us, and um, and it was brilliant because my dad, obviously, a massive fan of Dennison, sort of, I think it was 80s, he was playing for the Wolves, and um, yeah, so he's had, yeah, he, 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 watching him almost turn into a bit of a fanboy, and he was showing, he was showing Dennison a, a video of one of his older goals. Um, but no, it was great. So even the, the opportunity of Hong Kong, gave us you know those moments as well when we were back at Molyneux oh, so that's, that's incredible so they say so it's, it's fascinating sometimes where supporting a team uh, you know supporting Wolves can get you I guess that they say 
even though you know it's taking you halfway across the world and back again, but you know you, you've taken that with you, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. I say, uh, sort of second to last thing. It's not the most fun subject at the moment, but Wolves this season. How are you finding them? Uh, I guess you know we're, we're right at the end of the right at the end of the campaign now. Mm. Are you sort of able to view the season as a whole, or you're sort of looking at it as a bit of a not a microcosm, so to speak? But how are you sort of finding it? It's funny, you know, because the I think after the last couple of sort of two or three years, I think we've been slightly spoiled. It's safe to say, Wolves fans, we we like to think we've got perspective. We like to think that you know we talk about the games surely, and we've been in the doldrums with really, League One six seven years ago. But it's inevitable that your expectation grows uh, the more successful you are, so the higher you go. Um, it's hard for me because I was listening to um, I was listening to another podcast. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to name rival podcasts. Um, don't, don't bother. That's the easiest. <laughs> it, was, it was another podcast, and uh, and it was um, and they were talking about uh, they were re- reviewing Wolves and Everton seasons just generally. It was like a very quick chat, and um, and they were almost like, well, it's a bit odd because twelfth in the league isn't necessarily a failure for a team that isn't or isn't almost self-prescribed top big six. So, but I don't think necessarily the position is what we consider. We have to just think about where we are in terms of our progress. We've been unlucky with injuries. So the likes of Jimenez, um, I think Bolly, Neves, Martinho, at different stages, they've either, either have they had long COVID or they've been self-isolating or it's something to do with COVID. Uh, Johnny's been out for the majority of the season. Other players have stepped up, so there are positive signs. Um, I think we kind of have to try and chalk this one up as a transition year, as much as I hate that phrase, transition, because, you know, what you're paying your money for this season if it's a transition season. But um, I think it's going to be a big summer. It's going to be a big summer for Nuno. It'll be interesting to see what we do with Vitinha and Aitnori, whether we sign those, because I think it's they're big money moves, whether it's sort of 18, 19 million, I think, for Aitnori and... But I, but I do. I think there are positive signs. I think we've given the youth the op- some opportunities as well in the last couple of weeks, which I think for some of them has paid off. Um, they're not necessarily proving to be world beaters, but I mean the experience can only be positive for them. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens because I think with Jose Willian, I can imagine he'll go back to Sociedad. I can't imagine we'll sign him. Um, maybe. I mean, I'd be I'd be surprised if we did, but I mean, as Wolves fans, we've had bigger shocks. Um, I think, yeah. So going forward, I think we need four or five big signings to really push on again. Otherwise, we do run the risk of just becoming a mid-table Premier League team. Now, there are worse things to be, but I think it's not necessarily in Foson's, um plan, long-term plan for where, where Wolves will be. I think also in terms of keeping Nuno and keeping him. Uh, motivated and interested I think that needs to be the next step so we'll see what happens in the summer I think Jorge Mendes I think he owes us one after the last summer after stealing some of the top assists and goals and then giving us some well not necessarily saying it's selling us duds but I wouldn't say they were quite in the calibre of the the players that left it's probably the polite way to put it no I completely agree and um, you you said uh, yeah I I agree with sort of a, a, a large amount of what you said in terms of um, the season as a whole, um, and sort of I guess sort of how we've how you need to look at it sometimes, and I, I, we're all guilty of being prisoners for the moment, especially after we lose. Um, mm. And I think, yeah, what you said about you know the difference between finishing eighth and twelfth, 
there were a lot of teams competing for those spots in a way. And, mm. you know, I, I don't think it's a coincidence in a way that we didn't necessarily push on to a degree that we needed to, whereas the likes of Villa did. And mm. almost our positions, you know, they, they've they've improved a lot. And we've not, you know, we've gone, we've declined a little bit. And teams like that have overtaken us. Everton have as well. Yeah, and Leeds. We, yeah. And, and, you know, it, it it could very easily turn next season with a couple of signings or just, um, you know, just general football improvements from Wolves or de- decreases from other teams finding their level, um, so to speak, or, you know, not, not quite adapting and overcoming challenges, which I think has been Wolves' biggest thing this season. So, you know, I just want to say... I quite want the season, like the season to end. Whether yeah. you know, there's a whole thing about uh, Nuno. Uh, if we give him the summer, we've got to back him. And I think yeah. that's. Massive. I think that's sort of pretty much everyone's sort of viewpoint is that he he needs backing. There's a he's probably built just about enough goodwill. Yeah, yeah. To 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 kind of give him a summer, but that then you know there's a large amount of accountability going forwards. Um, but, it's been a bizarre. It's been a bizarre season because we started off. Was it the first? I think pretty much until Jimenez got the um, we got the sick. injury at Arsenal. Yeah, we it was it was like our best start to a Premier League yeah. season ever. Um, and yet we, I would say, at the end of January, February time, mm. we were also talking a lot about looking over our shoulder. So we were looking down the league. So it has been. It's been a bizarre season at times, and I think we're kind of where we. Sh- where I would have expected us to be um, with the players that we've got, because we're not particularly prominent in front of the in front of net. Um, as much as Silver, you know, the splashes are brilliant and the signs of what he can become. I think we've said it all season long, haven't we? He's, he's just a bit too young to be wearing, to be almost having that pressure, having that weight on his shoulders. I just don't think he's quite ready yet. Um, but, you know, he has bulked out as the year's gone on. He's gotten better. Uh, and I think the, the experience and the time that he's had on the pitch will certainly work in his favour. Same with Ignore. No, yeah, 1,000%. Uh, you know, it's been a little bit of a... Bat- it's been very much a baptism of Fiverr. Mm. Well, to be honest, Silver and eight week that they, you know, the, the intention wasn't necessary to play them week in, week out. And that's kind of how it's had to happen. But it's happened, A, through injury, but B, their own form, especially eight Norway. You know, it was a shame we didn't play against Spurs, but actually he'd been quietly one of our a really consistent performer the last few weeks. And, you know, fingers crossed, mm. you know, so those young players continue to push on as well because that that's that's a big key ingredient for us that if all of our younger players, even someone like Gibbs White, who's 20, 21 now, if he can continue mm. to push on, it means we don't have to worry about getting as many players because that means a you know disruption into the squad. But they just yeah. need to keep raising their games to be, you know, one of the top, you know, to be a top 10 team. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, to wrap up, Tom, um, we, we've kind of gone over, I guess, you know, life, football and everything in between. So to sum up, what has being a wall Sam mean to you? Um, well, actually, uh, one, of the, one of the things I wanted to quickly say, if that's all right, is um, yeah. in one of the things, one of the big reasons I wanted to come on here was almost to say a massive thank you to the Wolves community. Because um, I think the st- well, what I'm about to say is kind of what being a Wolves fan means for me. So in um, as, as, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I, when I was eight, I had open heart surgery at Birmingham Children's Hospital. And as, as I sort of got older, a big thing I really wanted to do was almost try and repay a bit of what they were able to do for me 
and my family. So I ran the London Marathon in 2017 and um, through various you know, social media platforms and trying to just spread the word and drum up interest as much as possible. Um, one of the things I did was get in touch with a lot of the Wolves groups, so the Facebook group, uh, Instagram, etc., and just said, this is my Just Giving page. Um, can I be <laughs> cheeky? Would you mind sticking a little, um, almost a biopic, a little profile, uh, and just, just get it out there and just see if anyone would like to contribute? Because it's all, you know, I imagine a lot of people, sort of West Midlands, Black Country area, in, at some point or another, will, you know, use the services of Birmingham Children's Hospital. Or we know people who've you know who needed that because obviously the work they do is just incredible um and eventually but the, the so the grand total was sort of four thousand pounds and wow. which was incredible it really honestly the the local support the community effort not just from sort of my friends family uh, and other people who we got involved in various fundraising efforts but also wolves fans so i would say that Sort of somewhere between 150 and 200 pounds were donated by Wolves fans. So these people I never, I never necessarily meet. I could walk past them at the next, you know, whether it's Manchester United or next season. I could walk past them and I'll never know that these are the people who sort of chipped in five pounds, ten pounds, twenty pounds here and there to to sort of contribute towards that effort. Um, so I kind of want to use this as an opportunity for the listeners as well. If any, if anyone did donate, just to say a massive thank you to them as well. Um, and it's four years overdue, but um, it's still, you know, better late than never. Um, but to sort of answer your question, that is what it means to me. Um, whether it's through the memories I have when I was younger, going to those early games, uh, going to the walls with my family, um, it's very much a staple part of your Saturday afternoon. Um, it's something that you look forward to. I think my dad talks about a book when Saturday comes. Um, yeah. And it's very much about the, the essence of that. It's it's it being a, a central part of the local community. Um, and I think that ties in quite nicely with my sort of fundraising efforts where I could I was able to, you know, give something back. And yeah, so it's just a really good opportunity just to say a massive thank you to, to the Wolf fans. No, I think that's, um, I think that's really fantastic. And, you know, I, I I think I did one of these with um, Louise and uh, Chris Cold, and yeah, we talked yeah. about um, charity on there before. And uh, I, I'd, I'd like to think all football clubs and all sort of support groups are uh, similar with this, and uh, we carve in a bit of an echo chamber with Wolves fans. But whenever there is a charity CSR drive, Wolves fans te- usually step up for it. Yeah, um, yeah, funny no, story actually. Sorry, uh, no, funny no. story actually. We commissioned um, uh, Louise to do a painting. So from one of my mom's, I think it was, it may have been, it was a, it was a significant birthday. Oh, I won't name and shame her. On here. <laughs> but um, we commissioned uh, Louise to do a, a painting uh, of her and my niece, and it's a fantastic work. Like, oh, such, what a talented artist! But um, yeah, so but again, it all feeds in, doesn't it? There's, we all, it's a, it's a small world. Yeah, exactly. And I think, um, you know, Carl end it on a Burning Children's Hospital, I think, because, you know, that they do incredible work. Um, and, you know, I think it, it, even in the fan cast, you know, we, we've had um, guys on here who've, um, you know, Hoops and David Evans, I think, both mentioned on the podcast previously that, uh, you know, that their children had to use it. And I think, again, um, 
hoops. I was going to say he's no longer with us. That sounds really bad. <laughs> he, is, he is still alive. I think it won't then, whatever they do. If you are listening, I'm sorry. Uh, but, you know, he, he stepped back from podcasting duties uh, yeah. this year. I know he's raised money for them before. Uh, I think mm. he did. Um, it might have been Birmingham half marathon, I think. And again, just you know, we he talked about on the show for Phantom, the work that they've been doing um, for his little one. Um, and you know, obviously, we shared out the link on Fancast socials. And you know, you get people who never, never met in a million years, and ne- never probably will meet, but understand the significance. Uh, you know, especially within the region as well. And you know, yeah, we've seen yeah. it a few times in the last uh, twelve months. Um, I think, which is, you know, a, a real testament to. Wolves as a, a club and Wolves fans as supporters. Yeah, it's kind of what you said though, about a shared experience. Because I think I heard uh, somebody's story on here where they were talking about the was that it might have been one of the yeah I think it wasn't it and talking about the style and he was talking about the sort of the alleyways as you're walking yeah. towards somebody new yeah. you see it in the distance and it's 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 like you say it's, it's uh, there are thousands of people who know the names of the same pubs who or you know they'll park at the science park or they'll park at, on the Asda cheekily for an hour or two um, and it's it's kind of that shared experience isn't it there's literally in a, in excess of 20 25 30 thousand people who will all have that same experience on the same day. And, uh, and even just like me and you talking, we're talking about the same same goals, same games, same same memories and same moments. That's just, yeah, quite a magical group. No, definitely. If it, you know, we, we said like that. It's, it's sort of bonkers that we'll do, you'll do things like this. So, oh, yeah, well, I've tried him style. And go, oh, I also have two. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> you never meet and It's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. <laughs> but no, I think that's, I think that's a, really, uh, a really nice note to sort of round up on in terms of our, I guess, our shared experiences, which is what Stories from the Pack and I guess sort of being a fan's all about. So, Tom, thank you very much for joining us today. It's been Absolute great. Learn, it's been great learning a bit more about I say your life, which I say seems to have taken you down some uh, some very interesting paths. Yeah, yeah, that's safe to say. Interesting people, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. All right, thanks very much. And uh, yeah, we'll hope. Uh, I was going to say enjoy the rest of the season, but I guess sort of for us, it's going to be enjoy the preseason and yeah, pre-season. look forward to next season, isn't it? Excellent. <laughs>